Hello and welcome to our latest NL full-time podcast. I'm Rob Worrell. Now, it might still be September, but believe it or not, we're now a quarter of the way through the National League season. OK, 46 doesn't divide into four, but you know what I'm saying. Um, joining me to review the latest uh, action is the dependable Dickie, Richard Wharton. Good morning, Dickie. Good morning, Rob. Good to see you. It's time to uh, take stock. Is your team flying? Is it just fine? Is it faltering or is it faulty? Um, and, and no better way, really, um, to review the latest action in the National League with our special guest today, um, Borenwood defensive duo and host of their very own, uh, their brilliant Beyond the 92 podcaster, Jamal Fifield and Femi Ilasami. Good morning, gentlemen. Great to have you on. Morning, morning, morning. Pleasure to be morning. here. Morning, fellas. Thanks for having us. Good stuff. Firstly, Jamal, Beyond the 92, it's already become a must-listen podcast for me and watch. Um, whose idea was it and how did it come about? Um, well, thank you for the kind words, firstly. Um, it, was, it was my idea, um, but it's become Femi and my brainchild. Uh, when I thought of the idea... It was simply because I felt there wasn't enough light shone on the National League. And I felt there's no one better to do it than the actual players who play in the league. So the idea was to have someone close in it with me and there was no one better than I thought Femi, who's enthusiastic, knowledgeable um, and knows his way around the game as well. And he's got his own show, Baller Talk, so we had the experience already. Um, and it's just about inviting inviting personalities on that play in and around the league, whether it's a manager, um, a player, or anyone in involved in a, in a National League club. Um, and yeah, that's where it came from, really. Yeah, brilliant. Um, listeners, if you haven't come across it yet, look out for it on YouTube or on Instagram, Beyond the 92. Already this season, off the top of my head, the boys have had Callum Reynolds on, Laurie Walker, Ian Watson, really, really good one last week, I think, uh, the assistant manager at, uh, at Gateshead. And big in the FEO as well. And um, all the best to you, Ian, if you get to listen to this one. Um, I hope you're making a great recovery. Now, Jamal, I've met once before and interviewed. But um, yesterday, Femi, you became the first person that I've ever met whilst they were sat in an ice bath. <laughs> For a professional footballer playing Saturday and Tuesday, three weeks running as you are, is that the first step in your recovery sequence? And um, can you just explain how it benefits you? Yeah, for sure. Um, the National League is, is a, as we all know, it's a relentless league and you have spurts where there's you play six, seven, eight, sometimes even nine games. The players that play more likely managers, they will have their foundation of players. And fortunately, I'm one of, one of those players, you know, I've, I've, I've worked hard to, to become, to, to, to get that in that position. And it's just about going again. As you as you said, we've got fouled on Tuesday. So you've just got to make sure that your body is as right as it can be ahead of Tuesday, which is in three days' time. And then ahead of Saturday, which is four days after that, you know. And, and for however long it goes for, you've just got to make sure that you're recovering right. And it's something that I've added to my to my game or to my preparation in the last couple of years, the ice bath, because I've hated it. And although you saw me in there, trust me, Rob, 
I do not like this, you know, <laughs> but I know it's just got to be done just to give myself the best chance of putting in a performance and getting a result on Tuesday. I have to say, Femi, when I've watched you play, you know, six, seven, eight times now, probably, um, I've been so impressed, you know, with yours and the team's physicality. Um, and, uh, you know, I, as I said to you directly yesterday, I think one of the nastiest players in the National League. Um, the detail of that we'll, we'll, we'll leave out of this. But um, we've got a few questions for you um, before we get to reviewing the National League games because we want to make the most of having professional insight on our podcast, which is something you definitely bring to your own one. But we want to grill you guys today rather than you guys uh, grilling other players. Starting with yourself, Jamal, um, when you tune in to a podcast, and it might be this one, you know, because the host and the regulars on it are not professional footballers. We've not been professional footballers. Um, what can sometimes frustrate you about the apparent lack of appreciation or insight because they, they, they're not professional? Um, I don't really look at it that way, to be honest. Um, I think it's more an understanding thing and trying to maybe help educate if I if I hear something that is incorrect, if that makes sense. So, for instance, a lot of the time um, I've spoken to certain people, there's like a, a lack of understanding around how much players actually care for the club they're playing for um, or what actually goes into a game in preparation for a match. So for instance, um, the amount of training someone might do on the training ground, in the gym, like you saw with Femi yesterday, the preparation he does for his next game. Um, and sometimes the, the National League doesn't get um, its respect it deserves. And that's another reason why myself and Femi started the podcast, to shed a light on that, to show what it takes and how hard, not only physically, but mentally it can be um, for players when they're when they're playing, you know, so it's not all smooth sailing, and at the same time, we're not millionaire footballers of the Premier League, so there's a lot to think about when you're going into a season, when you're going into a game, um, and yeah, that's 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 my thought process on when I'm talking to um, a podcast or an individual that hasn't played the game, but it's it's still a it's still a um, there's still that respect there, you know. It's just like sometimes managers haven't played the game, but at the end of the day. They've, they've studied it enough to know the ins and outs of it and, and how to get the best out of players. So yeah, I, I think it's similar in that sense. Yeah. Femi, anything that niggles you or, you or you'd like to see improved? You know, I mean, obviously everyone has their say in football. It's a hot, The whole game is about opinions, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, everyone just has the, has the, the role, you know. Um, everyone brings something different to, to the table. So... Even if you haven't played the game, you're talking from a perspective of maybe um, what the fans want to want to hear. You know what I mean? And with players, there's, there's there's that different insight. You know, there's no there's no better or there's no right or there's no wrong. You know, it's just two different perspectives that we're coming from. You understand? So that's that's yeah. my, my personal opinion, and it. it's just literally just two different perspectives. It's absolutely right. There's a saying, I can't remember exactly what it is, but every perception is valid because that's what it is. It's people's perception of things. Um, now, you two are obviously quite tight these days. You've played together a bit. You're doing your own podcast together. 
But I yeah. do recall watching a Boreham Wood game at Meadow Park, and it wasn't against Aldershot. I, I think it was the um, the the playoff eliminator against uh, Halifax that I covered for the uh, podcast uh, two or three years ago now. Um, and and I witnessed from no more than twenty or thirty yards away Jamal giving you a right rollicking on the pitch. Um, <laughs> it, it was a prolonged. Uh, and 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 I think you gave a bit back. Now the reason I highlighted it is not for a negative. It's because supporters sometimes see that as a discord within a team. Um, but in many in many cases, Femi, it's not, is it? And just explain why. Absolutely, it's not. Like you said, I've played with Jamal for so long, you know, and it's like he knows when I'm dropping below my standards. What Jamal expects of me you know, he's going to always hold me up to that. And when he sees me fall below that, then I'm definitely going to have something and it's only right that I should, you know what I mean? And it goes both ways. You know, if Jamal's falling below his standard, I'll, I'll, I'll let him know. And then trust me, Rob and, and Dickie as well, like the one you saw is the, is, is one of a hundred, you know, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> we go we right because we demand so much for each other and we both know how good each other can be and how important we both are to contributing to results on the pitch, you know, and performing. But you know what it, you know you know one of the things as well, Rob? Um it's about knowing how to get the best out of your teammates. And you learn that as you go along. Sometimes it, um, you might get it wrong, but you learn it more and more as you play with each other. But sometimes Femi might be having a weldy. Femi might be playing really well, but I want even more. So I'll even I'll even tell him he's he's not doing enough, you know. And I know Femi's personality enough to say he's gonna he's not gonna wilt and go under. He's gonna rise to that occasion and rise to that challenge. So even when he's playing well, I still might give him a little bit of a rollicking, as you say, just to get the best out of him. Because when Femi's on form, he 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 knows this, um, or he might not know it to be fair. But when Femi's on form, he gives everyone else a lift around him. So he's like the spark of our team a, a lot of the time. So. Sometimes we just need that from him. Yeah, Good stuff. Sure. And also, also, it's it's like eight, nine out of ten times, it's never ever personal. So even take myself and Jamal away from the situation. When you're speaking to a player, it's never ever personal. It's just you want them to up their game. You want them to be better. You know they that they can be better. Um, maybe the one out of ten times they might be personal. I'm I'm going to be honest with you, you know. But <laughs> but for, for for the most part. It's never ever personal, so I just hope fans can and supporters and people that are watching the game um, understand that it's just a demand. We all want to win. We're all we're all work, working towards the same the same goal, and it's just how do we get there, isn't it? Good stuff, Dickie. I know you've got a a question for the boys as well. Yeah, I was just going to say just before I ask it, just in terms of what you said there about this, the different perspectives. I do think that's really valuable in that there will be people who don't listen to podcasts and fair enough and they're not going to get that perspective but I, I do think it's great that you know you're putting it able to put across what it's like to be a player and then at the same time taking on board that thing of what it's like to be a fan because never going to meet exactly in the middle but I, I do think that's kind of really um a, a great thing that you're doing um and my question was really around the reaction you've got from from players at other clubs, you know, to or, or even in your own club to doing this. You know, do, have you had it mentioned to you while you've been on the field? You know, do, do people, you know, 
what can you say i'd love to come on your podcast or is it a case of you having to approach them still you know how how's that working out <laughs> um it's been a bit of both really you know um yeah like we played against a team i think like as soon as it kind of landed as soon as like we started beyond the night we played against the team and we were getting there. I heard I heard them giving Jamal a little bit of stick up about it. Like I heard I overheard the player saying, Oh, if I spoke, can I come on your can I come on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you 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 get that, but then also there's still a lot of work that happens behind the scenes, you know. We still do our outreach, we still do our due diligence and make sure that um whoever we get on the podcast is comfortable, is comfortable coming on. And and so far, so good. It's been great, it's been We've enjoyed it, and everyone that's come on has enjoyed it as well, you know. So long may that continue. Yeah, it's, uh, like Femi said there, um, we're trying to bring people the stories that they want to hear. So, for instance, Gates said they're absolutely flying at the moment, you know. So we wanted to get um, a good friend of mine, Ian Watson, on, and that episode has got so much... Um, positive reviews simply because people want to know the secrets behind it. It's about bringing the stories that people want to hear. Um, and as, and as Femi said, I, I have had, I've, I've had people say that to me, but I've also had people say when they've scored a goal or when they played well, or when we've lost a game, make sure you get that on your podcast. So it works both ways. So now it's like, a, it comes with an even more uh, <laughs> pressure at the same time, but it's good pressure because it's something that me and Femi um, walk towards, you know. We want, we want people to give us our best. So when we do actually um, go out there and put a performance together, that they know it's, they know, they know it's deserving, you know. Yeah, I just Great stuff, terms... I know. Go on, Sorry, Dickie. No, no. I'm just gonna, no. I'm just going to say, in terms of the timing, you know, it couldn't have been better. I mean, you were speaking to Ian Watson because Gates had a flying, but then subsequent to that, they've had two fantastic results they got you know a lot of attention for this 37 passes goal in midweek which I'm sure we might touch on again um things like that just you know couldn't go better could they you know when you've got the podcast and you've got him on there talking about it and then you know they're living up to their billing it's a it's a lovely moment when things like that happen it really is and to be honest we wanted them um the week we wanted them the week before when they won six nil, and then the time we got them, I think they drew one one. So it was kind of the time was <laughs> a bit off, but at the same time, we're understanding of people have lives, and we're really appreciative of people giving up their time. We record on Sundays um, like yourself, so we're really appreciative of anyone coming on and giving us their time um, just to come and talk football, really, because we're we're football junkies as much as we're the elder statesmen of our team and of probably the league. We still love the game. We still love the National League and what, what it's all about. So when, when we do get those stories, it's great, really. Brilliant stuff, boys. I know I, I'm just going to throw in quickly that even from a media point of view, you know, look, there's no hiding it. I'm an Aldershot Town fan. I've supported Aldershot since I was seven years old and I'm 57. So it's 50 years now and I'm really lucky to, to have the job that I do actually, you know, commentating on their games. Um, but I've Dickie will back me up on this. I have interviewed for this podcast at least five or six strikers after they have scored hat tricks against Aldershot in beating Aldershot, and and that's the all the better all round perspective I now have of the game is because sometimes when the fan inside you is hurting from a defeat, 
you can actually take something from the positives that the other side is is feeling. And one of the things we talk about so often in football, no matter how good your game plan is, no matter how on it your boys are on the day, there's always another team and another 11 players or 14, you know, that, that want to win just as desperately as you, don't you? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, do you know what? It is, it is hard when you... Like it's hard when you lose as, as a fan and as a player, you know, and and and, and um, from our perspective as well, you know, it's difficult. But uh, we've signed up for this, isn't it? This is what we've all signed up to do. So win, lose, yeah. or we've got, we've got to roll our sleeves up and go again and and record and and yeah. put out what we need to put out. You know, it's a it's a bigger purpose than just the results. You know, and. And we just got to walk towards it. We can't, we can't run away from it because we've lost the game, or whatnot. We just have to just um, do the work that's 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 required. And it's also a little bit of therapy as well for me. I find this quite therapeutic to um, talk. A lot, a lot of my career, I've I've had games where I've not played well, or I've played well, or I've not performed how I want to perform, and I haven't really been able to talk about it. So being able to express how I feel about it and, and see if Femi feels the same or one of our guests feels the same. It's really therapeutic and like a, a way of decompressing my mind, if that makes sense. Um, but also at the same time, it gives fans an insight into what players are thinking and when we're feeling the exact same way that they're feeling or how we saw it from our point of view. Um, and most importantly, the show was there for to be an inspiration to the next generation of footballers. So, how do we handle losses? How do we handle the, the tough times? Um, it's something that when we put it on film, people can learn from and maybe use those little gems and nuggets of information um, to their best possible use. OK, let's review the latest matches in the National League. Of course, there were midweek fixtures for all the teams as well. Chesterfield scored another late winner. Yeah, Joe Quigley uh, with the third late winner he scored this season. Uh, and I think the sixth or seventh time Chesterfield had done it. Amazing, really. That was a 3-2 win against Halifax. Barnet kept up their 100% uh, record at the Hive this season, in the week at least, with a 2-1 win against Aldershot. And after Barnet's midweek win uh, against Aldershot, I caught up with manager Dean Brennan. Dean, our obligatory chat after a Barnet victory over Aldershot at the Hive. It's your fifth consecutive home win this season. Was that the toughest test you've been given so far? Yeah, look, the conditions were difficult. I think when we were on top, especially the back end of the first half, we had opportunities to make it, you know, get the scoreline bigger on the start of the second half. And to be fair to Tommy, he come and press the second half and probably that's the most organised and fittest Aldershot team I've seen for a few years obviously I've been coming up against them for the last few years so and I know Tommy's a good manager um, and they, he made good subs as well they caused us problems with our subs as well so look it was a tricky Tuesday night uh, sort of it was more like a wintry night tonight yeah. with the wind and the way yeah. the day's been so look, from for our, from our point of view we bounce back from Saturday in a game that was much tighter than the scoreline suggested um, I think it was a big we showed a lot of character tonight I love your creativity and your venture and you're up against a lot of pressure at times but you've found a way and I love that routine short corner with uh, Brunt and Carney lifted the ball in and Collins done it again for you I mean Aaron McLean sat next to me and he said I'm not sure that boy's a centre-back you know yeah. 
Yeah, you obviously no. seen his potential. The way he plays is athletic. He reads the game well. And yeah. to be fair, he walks on his game. It's credit to him. I mean, we spoke last year that he didn't get enough goals. And every training session, he walks on his head. And when it's defensive heading, attacking the balls from wide areas, completes his runs. A little bit stronger, a little bit more streetwise. I thought he showed a lot of strength when he when he got his head on it. So, good header. And uh, a great goal, really. Great team. Got a good, good bit of creativity. Idris is creative. And so is Brunt. He's got magic in his boots. So, a really good team goal. And credit also, of course, to Nicky Kabamba for getting his ninth goal of the season but in the making that goal I, I I need to have another look at it but it looked to me like Reese Hall Johnson was just running twice as fast as every other player he went past a couple didn't he and got the ball in yeah I think we, we sort of turned the ball over I don't know whether we took a free kick deep in our half and mm. we turned the ball I'm sure that's what happened mm. turned the ball over Reese showed his speed athleticism and Nicky was in the right place at the right time like all good strikers do so great finish from Nicky controlled it well and what I liked about Nicky is he had a great chance in the first half mm. when Hartigan dropped one over the centre half mm. shoulder and he, he had a header and you could sulk a little bit. I said to him, you're going to score today, so keep getting in them areas. And he did. He came out second half and he got that goal. So really good performance from him again tonight. Good start to the season. I know there's a really bloody long way to go, Dean. Um, but that's all you can do, isn't it, is start well. Um, any reason why you can't push right up there? I know you want to keep expectations on, you know, under your lid, but... Look, I think we've got a stronger group than yeah. what we had last year. Yeah. Uh, step by step, we're making good strides. The main thing for us is to keep our feet firmly on the floor. Be humble. And it's massive for us now to just continue to take it one game at a time. So I rotated tonight. Uh, some people might have been surprised. I let, let a lot, uh, left a lot of senior players out of the team, so I was braver in that. I could have I I had an egg on my face. So we'll see what we'll do this weekend against Halifax. I'm looking forward to the game. Oldham beat York in the battle of the, uh, the, the, the underachievers, if you like. Uh, by two goals to nil. Bromley won uh, at Dagenham. Dorking got back-to-back wins with a 3-1 win against Wealdstone. And Gateshead beat Kidderminster 3-0 with Marcus Dinanga on target again. At the end, of course, as we all now know, guys, um, of a 37-pass uh, move. Um, let me get some professional insight on this. Some fans say it's fantastic. Gateshead were playing like Brazil. Others will say, no, some of those passes were backwards and sideways. Well, frankly, guys, who who cares if you can keep the ball for 37 passes and finish it by sticking the ball in the net? That's as good as it gets, right? 100%. I feel like the National League has evolved so much, you know, and we've come, we've come a long way and you see in terms of the quality of teams and Gay said are really flying the flag right now for the National League, in my personal opinion. Um, football... Football is meant to be played. They play football the way it's meant to be played. And you're in control of scoring a goal when you have the ball. You know, when you don't have the ball, you can't really control scoring a goal. That makes sense. So the fact that they keep the ball, that's when you have the best chance of scoring a goal with the ball at your feet. And they're showing that week in, week out. And to to have 10 players involved in in, in a singular goal, um, 37 passes... It's just a prime example of that and it's beautiful to watch and as as a player in the National League, I'm proud that they're showcasing that level of quality and, and bringing the awareness to the league that, look, we can do it at this level. We are we, we are just as good, you know, um, and yeah, it's just it's just great to see. Good stuff, yeah. Um, thinking about the weekend's games, it's too easy to always start at the top. I wanted to start with what I considered to be the result of the day and then followed by the performance of the day. So result of the day, going to have to give to uh, 
managerless Oldham um, with a 4-0 win against Oxford. And of course, they're not managerless. There's always a, a caretaker manager in charge. And it was uh, Thompson and, and Redfern back at the club. Um, but uh, Femi, 4-0 to Oldham against Oxford. And, 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 and to you, I'm sure that result will resonate because you know uh, at first-hand experience just how good Oxford City can be. A hundred percent. Oxford are a very, very, very good team, and they've they've had um, an unbeaten run. They've had a, they've had a good run up until this game, you know, with, with with wins and a couple of draws and stuff as well. So, but but going to Oldham, managerless, you know, we all know that the personnel inside the Oldham dressing room is is good enough to compete. You know, they have got. I don't think it's a case. My personal opinion, I don't think it's a case of them having to go and sign new players or go search elsewhere. They've got they've got enough in the building and if if you give them the confidence, you get them playing right and whatnot, I, f- I think they can go and deliver results like that. It's also a tough, tough place to go, you know. Uh, mm. Six, seven thousand fans, you know, and Oxford coming from the National League South, it could have been a little bit overwhelming, if that makes sense, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, could have been a little bit overwhelming and maybe older might have took advantage of that. But um, credit to them bouncing back, obviously, since the manager's got sacked two wins out of two. So, yeah, congratulations to older. A couple of Brennan Dickinson bangers in that one. I don't think either of them were as good as the one he scored against Aldershot early in the season, but he's literally compiling his own portfolio of goal of the season's uh, uh, goals of the season there up at uh, Boundary Park. Performance of the day, I think, stands out. Uh, I'm going to come to you on this one, Dickie. Um, Altrincham 6, Ebbsfleet 1. Um, I think there might be some mitigating circumstances for Ebbsfleet, who are um, a little decimated at the moment. But nevertheless, for Altrincham and Phil Parkinson, uh, that's a little culmination of a lot of work, a lot of recruitment and a lot of work on the training ground, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, there, there's been this, I suppose, our concern with, with Altrincham has been that there's been a bit of a, a player drain away from there, that they've been a little bit of victims of their own success, really, and that, you know, they do well, uh, their players catch the eye of other clubs and they move on. Um, but Phil Parkinson um, seems to be able to, to, to cope with that. He brought in a new signing this week on loan, uh, Alex Newby, brother of uh, Elliot Newby, who's at Barrow. Um, he scored within four minutes of his debut yesterday to get them um, uh, on on uh, moving in the right direction. Lewis Baines on target as well. Justin Donner, a player they picked up from Solihull Moors in the summer. There were two for Chris Conn-Clark. I know he's been really important for them. And then Baines popped up with a second goal of the game in injury time as well. So, yeah, it, it was a pretty uh, humbling uh, afternoon for Ebbsfleet there. But, yeah, terrific afternoon for Altrincham. OK, another couple of games. going to nick a little idea I got from your podcast here, Jamal. Um, a couple of games together, really, to you, because they're contrasted. Chesterfield did it again. They didn't do it late, but they won 3-2 again. Yet again, proven it's possible to concede two and still win a game. Um <laughs> And, and, and the flip side of that, second and fourth place now, Solihull and Bromley drawing one all with defences on top and just one shot on target for, for each team. Um, all those sides, Chesterfield, Solihull, Bromley, 
all in the top uh, five. Um, your verdict, please, on those games and uh, and which one you'd rather be involved in. <laughs> uh, which one I'd rather be involved in is probably the Solihull Bromley. I love a defensive masterclass and the fact that it was a boring game lets me know that the defenders were doing what they was paid to do. Um, Solihull have been flying this year. Um, a good friend of mine, Gus Mafu, has really found his feet there and being the linchpin in that midfield. Um, and Bromley getting back to the Bromley that we know. Um, Cheeky popping up with goals every now and again like he does and he'll end up with probably 15 or 20 by the end of the season. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a top of the table clash that as much as I'm as much as it would sound a bit of a bore, um, I think it would have been a really entertaining game. Um in terms of the Chelsea result, with Chesterfield, I think with the attacking players that they have, um I think they're always going to be a high-scoring games. Um, I'm not sure how long the fans can stay alive with that heart attack football where they feel like they're going to lose. <laughs> but at the end of the day, football is meant to be entertaining and um, at least they're getting their money's worth. But um, credit to Chesterfield. I think they're probably one of the favourites with Oldham this year who, let's be honest, will have promotion at the top of their um, board. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's no surprise that they won another game. Um, and and on paper, you'd think they should beat Willstone, you know, but football's not played on paper. So I'm, I'm sure Willstone would have gave it a good go. And I know their manager down there is, is a top is top coach. So it would have been a good game. Yeah. And uh, Dickie, as Dickie just pointed out in the chat there, another goal for Craig. I think it's three for the season, two in the week. Um, Defence is on top at the other end, eh? Uh, um, coming on then to, to Gateshead, Dickie, 3-0 in the week, 3-0 again on Saturday. Maidenhead will have obviously taken their low block up to the Gateshead International Stadium, but uh, they've lost two of their central defenders in the first half an hour, and that's not something you want to do when you're playing away at Gateshead, is it? Yeah, terrific result for Gateshead again. Um, you know, they 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 were patient yesterday. It, it took them until the second half to get um the job done, but they did get the job done. Two goals from Marcus Denanga. Um he's uh, gone joint top of the leading uh, of the scoring charts in the in the National League with uh, with Nicky Kabamba from from Barnet. So he's having a tremendous season. Ed Francis again another player who fits into their style. He came over from Notts County. He added the third in the sixth minute of injury time. And um, yeah, ultimately a comfortable win for Gateshead. Yeah, they're absolutely. I know you boys have both played for them. Uh, they're absolutely the real deal. I think they've got a bit more strength in depth this season. I don't see any reason why they can't stay in that top seven all season, which is fantastic for a club like Gateshead, where it's more difficult to recruit players, where they have one of the smaller budgets in the National League. And I know you guys have waxed lyrical on your own podcast about uh, Gateshead this season. So we'll move it on. Um, as for Cabambury, he couldn't score. Uh, and Barnett couldn't win at the Hive, which was a surprise on Saturday. But not really when you consider the, opera, uh, the the opposition, FC Halifax, who have one of the meanest defences in the National League. Um, Hartlepool climbed back into the top seven, um, you know, with a good away win on uh, Saturday at Dagenham Redbridge, who we can't quite categorise this season in terms of what sort of a season they're going to have. It's a bit mixed. Femi, what was, uh, what was your take on that one? Ultimately, it was just an own goal that was the difference between the two sides. And 
that can be wonderful if you're on the winning side and so, so cruel if you lose it. Yeah, for sure. Hartlepool, um, they had a great start to the season. Um, they started off really, really well. And then they hit kind of like a brick wall where they had a couple of injuries and whatnot. I know Mancini, um, and, and I, ho- I wish him the best with his injury, you know. But I know he was a big player for them and he was doing really well. But then once that happened, they kind of like wobbled a little bit and, and started losing games and... Do you know what? However you get back on the horse, and I said it on on last week on Beyond 92, however you get back on the horse, you get back on it, whether it's an own goal, whether it comes off someone's toe and goes in the net. It's just about getting back on the horse and getting that win after a rough spell. And you know what? That's what they've done in it. So however it looks, it's a good result for Hartlepool and, and hopefully they can build on from this result. OK, just quickly, Eastleigh. Paul McCallum at the double for them. They beat Kidderminster, who are struggling to find their feet at this level. Better times ahead, we hope, for Russ Penn's men. 2-1 there to Eastleigh. And uh, Dorky Wanderers, who won back-to-back games, um, were the victims of, 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 of a proper smash and grab on uh, Saturday. 1-0 up in the second half against Rochdale. So, yeah, a tough start to life in the National League for Russ Penn's men, Jamal. I know he's somebody that you know well. Talk to us about that. And then talk to us about um, Dorky Wanderers 1, Rochdale 2, which is the ultimate smash and grab. And, you know, they talk about not getting too high in victory, not too low in defeat in football. But that must be the biggest tester of that when a game swings so incredibly in the final moments. Well, yeah, we'll start off with the uh, Dorking and Rochdale. Anytime you get a red card in the National League or any sport, you're going to you're going to be facing an uphill task. Um, and Dorking have been really good this year. Um, I think they've eradicated their problem of last year where they was conceding too many goals. But at the end of the day, with the um, new rule of the added time, late goals, you're always susceptible to late goals. And when you've got a man down, it becomes harder and harder to concentrate. You get more tired. Um, but Ian Henderson popping up with a really late goal there. Um, and against a good Rochdale team who we drew with in the week. So um, on, on reflection, that looks like an even better result, to be fair. Um, and going on to the Eastleigh Kiddy, yeah, I think um, Kiddy, the, the priority teams from the North have maybe struggled a bit um, this season. Um, but as you said, Russell Penn's a friend of mine, someone who was my captain at Gates and someone who I roomed with on away games. And they wouldn't be where they are without him. Um, there's no other manager that I believe could have got them promoted last year. Um, and if there's anyone that can turn it around, it's him. But again, Eastley, after getting beat 6-0 um, by Gates a couple of weeks ago, they're a team that are going to have a bee in their bonnet. And anyone that comes to town, anyone they play, they're going to maybe try and put on their best uh, foot forward and not, not get embarrassed like that again. So it's no surprise that Paul McCallum popped up with a brace. But again, um Russell Penn is the man at the helm there who I think will turn that around, give him a little bit more time. Yeah, great stuff. And, you know, I remember Dickie waxing lyrical last season about the most incredible end to the season and run that Kidderminster had. I think winning uh, off the top of my head, Dickie, was it seven or eight games on the bounce to to make the, make the playoffs? Was it five games on the trot? Was it, oh, how many? Nine. If you include the actual playoff (laughs) victories, it was six games at the end of the season, unbeaten through the whole of April, and then the three wins in the playoffs. So it was nine games unbeaten. 
Fantastic. I had a bit of trouble there counting Dickie's fingers as he was out. <laughs> I had to make sure I was holding the right number up to start with. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the li- couple of games left to cover. Uh, the live TV game on Saturday with the early kickoff saw Neil Ardley's uh, York side um, with a late winner, a very late winner, 98th minute, I think, in that one at, at Woking. And having watched it back last night, that was a bit of a smash and grab as well. Uh, Woking, definitely the more dominant side at one all going into the second half. Femi, what was uh, what was your take on 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 that one? And 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 a little bit like Oldham, does do what York need is just a good, strong, experienced manager like Neil Ardley to to work with the talent he's got at his disposable disposal. Uh, no, Ardley's working. He's working. He's got to work as soon as he's got in the door, you know. Um, and it's it, it's for everyone to see. Everyone can see that a manager of that magnitude, someone that makes playoffs, he's made playoffs with Notts County, that was Solihull, and he's now at York City, where someone like that comes in the building. Um, I think he's very well respected and he's going to deliver. And since he's come in the building, York have managed to start stringing um, some results together, which is which is good for them. Um, going to Woken, oh, Woken are a really good team and Woken are definitely going to be up there this season. So going to Woken and getting a win, not even a draw, a win is is so big. It's so big for York City, you know. And I know, I know John Lewis popped up with the opener, you know, and, and Valerfield got the winner as well. But it's, it's, a big, it's a big result because Woken are far from mugs and and I'm sure they'll be up there this season they'll be up there this season so it's a big result for York and hopefully they can build on that yeah manager Darren Sahl ruined an absolute plethora of missed opportunities for Woking in the midweek draw against Ebbsfleet and then the defeat at home to York and he must be scratching his head I know he is without the talents of Reese Reese Grego Cox and also Reese Brown um, and, and he'll bound to be missing those guys a little bit more than he thought he might at the minute. But Woken is certainly creating loads of chances. Even if their games aren't generally high scoring, they're stuttering a bit at home, two wins, two draws, two defeats. But away from home, what an astonishing record. They have two wins, two draws, one defeat. And in five games, just five goals scored and only three conceded. Woken know what it's like to go on the road and keep things tight. Final game to come to... um, I've left it till last um, for no particular reason, really, just that we've got a bit of audio from it. And I want to get both your boys' take on it. I don't want to put you through um, something that's more difficult. You know, we talked about it yesterday off air, didn't we? You know, how you have to manage the highs and lows. Um, Borenwood won, Aldershot two. Jamal, you're out injured at the moment for a few more weeks, we think, probably. Um, But as we said yesterday, you're heavily invested in the game from the sidelines. What was your take on it? Um, Obviously disappointing. Anytime you lose a game, um, it's disappointing. And it's fine margins in football, you know. Um, When when I'm watching on the sideline, as you said, I'm still invested. I'm still shouting about like one of the fans trying to get messages across to players. And it's tough. It's tough because you just want to be out there with your teammates, your brothers, trying to, and will them to victory. But at the same time, these tough times that we're facing at the moment, it's, it's, it's new to us because Bournemouth of recent years, we've been quite successful, whether it's a cup run, whether it's league form. Um, so this isn't something that we're used to, but 
as much as uh, as I always say, you've got to enjoy the low times um, to really to really appreciate the the good times. So, yes, we lost yesterday, but we have got a game on Tuesday that we're we're going to put it right. And um, I've got no doubt in this squad, no doubt in Luke Garrard that um, we're going to be turning it around. Yeah, after the game, I caught up briefly with Wood striker. Back from a recent injury, Angelo Balanta, he came on and made a real difference in the second half and got Borenwood quite close in that game in the end. Here was the thoughts of Angelo. Angelo, it's um, it's defeat for Borenwood today at home to Aldershot Town uh, by two goals to one. You came on at half-time and you certainly made a difference. Tested Geordie a couple of times and then eventually got your side back in it. As much as you pushed, you just couldn't quite get across the line with a point or three today. Uh, exactly that. I felt second half we were a lot more... Um, attacking, obviously, with myself. Erico came on the pitch um, and probably disappointed not to come away with at least a point. Um, we find ourselves in a bit of a situation where we, we're going behind in, in games and it's, we find it hard to, obviously, come to terms with it, you know? Um, but, look, it, there's a lot of games still to play for. Um, still a lot of... Um, things that we need to work on and improve and hopefully we'll start clicking sooner rather than later. You got back on the score sheet as you always seem to do against Aldershot. As a striker, just sometimes you're at certain opposition you think I'm going to score against these or not. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, I'm, I'm just happy to be out there, you know. Um, mm. I've been back training three, four weeks. Um, a bit disappointed I haven't started uh, as yet. Um, but I'm just I'm just happy to be out there and contributing to, to what I can do and that's creating and scoring. Um, today I've scored and long may it continue. And Femi, that was Angelo Balanta who came on and scored a good goal. He had a couple of, he forced a couple of good saves as well and made a real difference in the second half. Um, just what was your, what was your take sort of, as you sort of have a bit more perspective perhaps about it the following morning and, and, and what were your thoughts on Aldershot? Yeah, um, I think Aldershot, very, very good team, you know, they, they came and they came out, they came out the blocks flying, if I'm being honest with you, um, First half, they were the more dominant team and and it seemed like we couldn't really get to grips with them, you know. Um, and obviously, they went one nil up and you can't give a team 45 minutes, you know, because it's just an uphill battle from then. But I've, I'm I'm very, very positive about, about how the game went. Um, reason why I am very positive about how the game went is because we have personnel coming back from injury. We've struggled with injuries beginning of the season. And to see Erica Sousa, to see Angelo Balanta, uh, these are two of our big players back in the fold. And they looked really good yesterday, you know. And I feel like with players coming back, we're gonna we're, we're gonna get back, you know, we're gonna get back. We still got Jamal Fifer to come back, we still got David to come back. So it's, it's, it's far from doom and gloom for me personally. I'm I'm so aware, super aware of what the players in our building can can do. And yeah, all the short they won, they won the day, they won the day yesterday. So congratulations, Rob, on that. But um, yeah, still 35 games to go, and I'm sure that when we when when we speak again, it will be a different it will be a different story when we will be talking about Bournemouth Football Club, you know. Absolutely, Kwesi Apar and, and, and Mo Sagaf to come back as well. Um, Jamal, come, just coming back to you again one more time, you guys must be sick and tired of analysing it, but it's a ridiculous stat, isn't it, that Borenwood have not scored in the first half of a game this season. Um, it's, 
sometimes we say stats are for media purposes, but this one is very much for your professional analysis, isn't it? 11 games without a goal for in the first half. Um, you know, just where where do you guys go with that one other than, other than just keep trying to get out of the blocks quicker? Yeah, I'm not really big on stats, if I'm totally honest with you. Um, because one game can change a stat, you know. There's it's, it's no reason why we don't. We've had many of opportunities to score goals, many reasons why we haven't, whether keepers pulled off a weldy, um, whether the referees not made the right decision. But the stats are not, the game's not played on on, on paper, you know. So I'm, I'm a firm believer in um, putting a game plan together and executing. And it's down to players to go out there and... Um, put things right. And that's not only on the strikers that we haven't scored a goal in the first half. You know, I've had chances in the first half and Femi's had chances. It's just about going out there and putting the ball in the back of the net. It's that simple, you know. So, um, yes, it's something to highlight, but the strikers that we've got in the club, the midfielders that we've got in the club, we'll probably score three in the first half on Tuesday, you know, and then and then no one's talking about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just want to add as well, um, massive mm. respect for Luke Garrard as a person and as a manager at this level. And, and for a club, the size and stature of Boreham Wood, to have got Boreham Wood uh, up and in around the playoffs so many seasons in the last five, six, seven, really, um, is an outstanding achievement. And one of the, you know, the model at Boreham Wood is very often to run with a smaller squad of higher quality so that everybody in that squad is capable of coming in. And Luke often says they may not be involved one week and they may come straight into the lineup the next. And, and, and Femi, of course, there is an element of a calculated gamble in that approach, isn't there? And, and, and in fairness, in previous seasons, you've had some, some, some pretty good fortune and managed the players, the playing staff well with not too many injuries, but, this season, the first quarter of it, it, it's been pretty horrific, hasn't it? Oh, most definitely. It's definitely not ideal, like, um, to have six of your starting 11 players injured, you know. Um, it's, it's it's not ideal at all. We lost we lost Jack Payne second game into pre-season. And from then, it's just downhill. We lost Mo. And, and these are not short-term injuries. Quezzy's not a short-term injury, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's it's, def it's definitely not ideal, um, you know. Losing losing these the magnitude of the players that we have lost, considering, like you said, that we we have a small squad, you know. But you know how I see it. I just see it as, and I'm not even just saying this just to sound good. You know, I, I see it as a new challenge activated. You know, I just see it as all right, cool. Like this just makes the story much better. Like I'll, one thing about me and Jamal knows this is just like it's never over till it's over for me, isn't it? You know, and I and, and I, I mean that wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? And yeah, I just feel like let's look when we look back at this next um, end of the season and we're promoted or we made the playoffs. We're gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be part of the story. It's gonna make the story more entertaining. And, rah, do you remember when we had six man injured about starting eleven? But come Wembley or come April or final game of the season or whatever, they're all going to be on the pitch. You know what I mean? So I just see it, yeah, it just makes the story more beautiful, in my personal opinion. They're all going to get back. And like I said, like that, that's why I said that second half um, against Aldershot yesterday was a massive positive because it was like, oh, good, we've got personnel that, 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 that can show what they can do and they're back in the team and whatnot. So... 
yeah, we just build on that. And like you said, Angelo scored yesterday. Erica looked sharp. You know, along with what we've got on the pitch already, it's, it's only going to be good things that we'll deliver on. Yeah, very definitely. Two different versions of Bournemouth that I witnessed on Saturday in the second half performance from the wood uh, provides a lot of encouragement. I love that take from Femi, uh, the positivity of it, good insight to how a professional is already feeling the day after a defeat. And and I love, you know, for all the people that play championship manager, football manager out there that, that think football is just a game like that. I love the way Femi's turned it back into a game and said, new challenge activated. Love that. That's absolutely top draw. Final word from you, Jamal, if you wouldn't mind. I'm, I'm sure you are going to be busy boys today, aren't you? Um, are you doing a Beyond the 92 today? And who's your guest going to be? We are doing a Beyond the 92. Um, and our guest is going to be a South End player. Um, obviously, again, trying to bring um, the stories that people want to hear. So, obviously, we've got the South End um, troubles that, we all, that have been... Um, well documented um, so we want to hear from this individual and see um, his thought process his mindset how the mood in and around the club is um, and yeah that's going to be a great episode don't be giving him too many tips about Aldershot before Tuesday Jamal <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest with you Rob the amount of um, the amount of analysis that goes into the game now the the, the guys there's no that- secrets anymore is there's, there's no secrets, you know. I remember when I first came into the game, there's no there's no analysis. It was literally, we set up to be the best that we can and if they're going to have to beat us by being better. But yeah, the game the game's evolved and that's what I love about the National League as well because it's evolving with the game. Um, and long may it continue. Great stuff. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Great to have your insight. I'm, I'm sorry it's after a defeat. Next time you come on, we'll make sure it's after a wood win. <laughs> you said big bow after all the shot one that I noted. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to look at the National League South now. No Joe this week, so Dickie and I are going to mull over things. Um, Bath City sit top of the National League South, but uh, they were held to all by Dover yesterday, who were second bottom in the National League South. Uh, a tight affair, that one. And then Yeovil sit in a second place. And uh, interestingly, they got the job done at Hampton and Richmond on uh, Saturday. They were comfortably ahead with uh, two goals in the 15 minutes before half time. Dickie. Hampton and Richmond got a goal back, uh, 90 plus nine penalties. It sounds so dramatic, but of course, it will have been too little too late. Yes, it will have been. Um, uh, you know, I think the the, the big thing there in Yo- for, for Yeovil is is the two red cards in the second half. Uh, Jake Hyde and Matt Worthington both um, dismissed. And, you know, depending on what the nature of those offences are, they're going to be missing those for future games now. So clearly they're going to be happy that they came away from there with the three points yesterday. But they've just got a bit of a dark cloud on their horizon there with uh, with those two red cards. Yeah, three points gained yesterday for Yeovil, but it will potentially cost them in the games to come. They're on 20 points. Below them are four teams on 19 points. It's really congested at the top there. Avely with a consolidating one-all draw at home to Braintree. They had to come from behind in that one. Taunton, you know, continue to defy 
the pundits sitting fourth in the table. They were held nil-nil by Haven and Waterloo Ville, of course, under new management there. Uh, and Worthing, who we often uh, wax lyrical about, were on the end of a, a bit of a hiding on uh, Saturday, weren't they, Dickie? Uh, that made Stone United. And I think that might just be one of the very best results of George Ellacobe's managerial career to date. Yeah, I would imagine it probably is, you know, given that he took over at the end of last season or towards the end of last season when Maidstone were struggling towards the bottom of the National League. There can't have been too many, if any, results of, of that kind of um, uh, magnitude for him last season. But uh, yeah, terrific yesterday. Uh, Solomon Wanjo Smith got them um, uh, rolling in the first half. A goal either side of uh, half-time from, from Levi Amanchi. He got two. And then the fourth goal added by Razak Coleman de Graft, the very the extravagantly named uh, Maidstone player. There was a red card for, for Worthing as well in that game, uh, as well in the 61st minute. Um, unfortunately, I can't tell you who that was, but yeah, uh, rounding off a pretty dismal day for them. Absolutely. The other team on 19 points are talking... You know, I did. They started the day on 19 points and they finished it there too. Um, they had come from behind to uh, take the lead 2 1 with just six minutes left. And you thought, well, there you go. Gary Johnson pulls it off again. But uh, Hemel, well, they didn't even have to wait for Gary time. They scored again in the 85th and the 86th minute through Judd and Brown. What a terrific win that was for Hemel. It puts them one place and two points outside the playoffs. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they help to keep things really tight at the top end of the National League South. Uh, we look every week when we see the St Albans games for the name Jeffers on the score sheet. And, and dare I say, it's not been there quite as much this season as it usually is. But he got the job done, didn't he, Dickie, on Saturday at Chelmsford. Not many teams go there and win 2-0. But Jeffers at the double. And uh, it was... Uh, uh, defeat at home for Chelmsford, uh, not something you see too often. I mean, that's a, it is a, a good result for that St Albans yesterday. I mean, Sean Jeffers is a reliable goal scorer. You know, he's 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 scored heavily in previous seasons, and um, it's one of these things that I'm sure. Look, other teams are aware of him, um, but he is sufficiently good that you know you you cannot keep him out of games completely and a goal in either half yesterday um and as you say Chelmsford not the easiest of places to go uh this season I think they've had um uh one of the defeat at home so far this season that's all so yeah uh it, it St Albans going and doing what not many teams do so many teams in the National League South will feel that, uh, you know, they're in with the shout of the playoffs. We are only, as we say, probably almost a quarter of the way through, just the 10 games completed in that division. There were quite a lot of draws on Saturday. Eastbourne drew two all at home to Welling United, a relatively late equaliser there to uh, get uh, Beard's uh, team a point. Um, another draw took place between uh, Weymouth and Chippenham. Uh, and uh, McClure gave Chippenham the lead in the first half. Turai pulling things back on the hour mark for Weymouth. And uh, a two-all draw between Farnborough and Slough, uh, notable for another Alfie Pavey goal. And <coughs> another Scott Davis goal, Dickie. 
Yes, I've just spotted that. Uh, popping in the 76th minute to uh, secure a point for his side. Um, yeah, there'll be, uh, I wouldn't say big celebrations for that one, but, you know, leading by example there, Scott, um, which knowing him as we do, we would expect. And, uh, yeah, uh, getting a point for his side. Yeah, the evergreen. We can call him that now, Scott Davies. Um, um, you know, at his age, it's, it's great to still be on the pitch after 76 <laughs> minutes, let alone scoring an equaliser for your club. Um, Dartford have flat, uh, struggled a little bit this season, but they began the big climb up the table with a 1-0 win at home to Tunbridge Angels, um, who they uh, overtook in the process, uh, thanks to a, a Rooney guard. Just the one other result in the National League South on Saturday saw Western Supermare, who are not too far outside the playoffs themselves, with a late winner from Thomas at Truro City in yet another one of those Southwest derbies. All right, we're coming on to Dickie Wharton's real level of expertise now, and that's the National League North. And we have something rather unusual, Dickie, don't we? Three teams atop the National League North, all on 20 points. Where do you want to start? We've got to start there, haven't we, with the with the three teams that are tied on twenty, and it's notable that two of them um, are promoted sides from last season. It's just goal difference that separates them. Tamworth on top uh, with uh, a goalless draw away yesterday at Southport. They did have Jamie Willett sent off early in the second half as well, so. Um, uh, a lot of character there, I would imagine, shown to come away from the point. I think there was a red card for Southport manager Jim Bentley in that one as well. He still had a good start to, to his uh, uh, his managership there at Hague Avenue. South Shields, they're in second place. Uh, they had a 4-2 win away at Peterborough Sports yesterday. Goals from Blackett, Woods, Adams and Clark. Um, there were goals in that one for uh, Mark Jones, for Peterborough and, and Dan Lawler. Um, Peterborough did actually lead in that one and were ahead at half-time, but then three goals in a 20-minute spell um, for South Shields early in the second half took that one away from them. Um, and Spennymoor Town, now it's been an interesting week for Spennymoor. Um, they actually lost the services of their manager, uh, Jamie Chandler, on uh, Thursday, stepping down from the role, citing that difficulties balancing it with his his uh, full time job and being a manager and his family life. I'm led to believe that his um, wife is expecting their third child coming soon as well. So it seems as if that there was perhaps just a um, an underestimate of how much of his time it was going to take there from Jamie Chandler. So he's taken the very brave move to to say, look, something's got to give. And he's it looks like he's put family first, which is commendable. Uh, what is Spennymoor going to do off the back of that? Well, they got a very commendable 2-0 win away at, at Buxton. Goals from Rob Ramshaw in the first half, Will Harris in the second half. And yeah, sitting pretty in the top three. Looking at the four sides in the playoff positions... Scunthorpe uh, drew one all away at Chorley. Uh, but Alfreton got a good win, didn't they, at Blythe Spartans, Dickey? And uh, Boston beat Chester 1-0. And Curzon, perhaps the result of the day, a 2-0 win at Brackley. Yes, quite possibly. Um, uh, say Scunthorpe, again, turbulent week for them with... You know, further news breaking this week around uh, the uh, activities of the chairman, David Hilton, and the fact that um, there was uh, under the winding up order uh, that was uh, 
being heard in court or was certainly scheduled to be heard in court. Um, they were away at Brackley in the FA Cup in midweek as well and looked like they were going to make a, what had been a fairly awful day on Tuesday end well. They were 1-0 up after 85 minutes and ended up losing that 1-3-1. Again, you would have thought Brackley might have carried on with that bounce from that yesterday, but it was Curzon Ashton winning 2-0 at Brackley that, that uh, pushed Curzon into the top seven and pushed Brackley out. Goals in that game from Craig Marne um, on the from the penalty spot after just four minutes and then Jimmy Spencer in the 27th minute and then Curzon Ashton um, quite comfortable after that one. Um, yeah, Boston United, they again snuck up. They're doing it quietly. They didn't start the season fantastically, but a 1-0 win over Chester side who do appear to be struggling for form a little bit, certainly not living up to their their billing as, as pre-season promotion. I wouldn't say favourites, but amongst the contenders. Um, Alfreton, not entirely a surprise to see Alfreton uh, climbing the table. They just it's a difficult proposition to play against. They've got some new players in this season: uh, Liam Waldock, uh, Lewis Salmon, and Kennedy Diggy all on uh, mark for them. Uh, Cedric Main did get a goal back for Blythe in, in injury time. He's on loan from York City, but yeah, their uh, their early season promise is just fading a little bit there up at Blythe. Um, and then yeah, just who was the other one we were talking about in the top? In fact, we've covered them all. So yeah, that's all the team. Yeah. The tops haven't covered. Now, um, flipping our attentions to the other end of the table, Dickie, um, on the face of it, if you just looked in the paper, Darlington won, Gloucester City won. Looks like a, a standard one-all draw between two struggling sides, but there's as much to talk about off the pitch with those two teams as there is on it, isn't there? Yes, there is. Uh, it was a first game in charge for both managers and that one. Actually, that's not strictly true. In Mike Cook's case with Gloucester, he has managed the club before um, and he's returned following the departure of Tim Flowers. Josh Gowling is the new man in the Darlington hot seat, replacing Alan Armstrong. I think he's remained uh, based up in the north from his time when he was at Grimsby Town. So geographically, it's perhaps not as, uh, you know, having been at, at Hereford and then going to Darlington, that's almost two opposite ends of the spectrum, but he is probably closer to home in that one. Um, Gloucester led in this game, Brandon Smalley giving them a lead in the 34th minute, but Will Hatfield, a player that returned to Alan Armstrong, probably one of the final and maybe best things that Alan Armstrong did, bringing back Will Hatfield is such an important figure for them. He got a 73rd minute penalty to get them a point. Yeah, good stuff. Um, interestingly, looking at that bottom four, Kings Lynn went down again 1-0 with defeat at uh, Warrington. And Peterborough Sports have, have dropped into that bottom four now. But none of those teams are cut adrift at all. Darlington sit bottom. They're just three points from safety. So, yeah, looking at that bottom four, um, there's you know plenty of work ahead for those new Gloucester and Darlington managers. But they're no, by no means cut adrift. Nobody is really. Darlington sit bottom on seven points. They're just three points from safety. Uh, Peterborough Sports now in that bottom 4-2. And Kings Lynn as well, after a really good season last season, they went down again 1-0 at uh, National League North newcomers Warrington Town. And it wasn't their first defeat, was it, Dickie? No, it wasn't. Uh, Kings Lynn um, had to play an FA Cup replay against Averley. I think it was on Monday evening last week and came out on the wrong end of a 4-0 thumping, which means their chances of, um, well, 
they're not going to have an FA Cup run this year. It's over for them. So it is just the league and the FA Trophy now for Kings Lynn. They've been harmed, obviously, by the loss of, of several players who've ended up uh, at your club, Rob, Aldershot Town. Um, and I did always think that that was going to be a bit of a difficult one for, for Kings Lynn to overcome. Um, they did have a very settled team there, but they've lost some, as I say, some key personnel to Aldershot. I think the loss of Michael Clunan to Scunthorpe was a massive blow for them as well. And they are just finding it a bit tough this year. They certainly are. And a team that surprisingly to me, Dickie, with my focus not always on the National League North, but glancing back at it, I recall a really good start to life at National League North level for, for Bishop Stortford. But after 10 games, they find themselves just one place and, and two points outside the relegation zone um, after defeat on Saturday. Yeah, um, it, they've had a, a couple of, of really positive results in there, but uh, uh, you know, we did sort of envisage that this season might be quite tough for them. Uh, they're certainly going through a bit of a spell like that at the moment. Um, and they fell victim to uh, a, a goal from Yusufu Sisa yesterday at Hereford. He's joined the club recently. Paul Caddish shuffling his pack quite early on. Cisse's had time um, with Alfreton Town uh, lately. Also at Kidderminster Harriers in the early part of last season, but didn't stick around there for too long. Um, he got the goal yesterday and uh, that was a much needed win for Hereford as well. Paul Caddy's been coming under uh, a bit of pressure for the way they'd started the season. Yeah, and interestingly, you know, in, on the flip side of the Bishop Stortford scenario, we've talked about how Hereford have underachieved so far this season. But, you know, after that game, they do sit in 15th place, but they're just three points off the playoffs. So they're really within touching distance. And it really is that part of the season where a win can sometimes lift you five or six places. Um, uh, as the season goes, draw, draws on, that's a little bit harder. Um, two sides who weren't particularly fancied this season, who've had pretty decent starts. They came together, didn't they? at uh, Farsley Celtic uh, against Banbury United. Just the one goal in it. Yes, uh, this was a tight affair uh, up at uh, the Citadel, as uh, it's a very grandly termed uh, Fosley Celtics ground. Um, but yeah, uh, Banbury came away with the points yesterday. Adi Yusuf, um, he's seen action at plenty of teams in the National League. He scored a goal in the 10th minute. Um, and then that was pretty much it, other than an 87th minute red card for Fosley's Darren Stevenson. Um, you suspect there might be a little bit of frustration in that one. You always think that when there's cards come late in the game and it's the team that um, uh, are losing the game that pick up the red card that there's probably some of that involved um, bit of a blow for Farsley but again they've they've made a, a you know a reasonable start to the season they're never amongst people's favourites they tend to be amongst people's favourites to go down but they do keep defying expectations yeah my thoughts exactly Farsley a little bit like Hereford just three points off the playoffs and Banbury even higher in 11th place and and two points off the playoffs. Once again, the top end of the National League North is heavily congested. Now, just one game to go. And Rush All Olympic fans, if you if you wonder why we've left you to last, it's because we wanted to save the best for last. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, acknowledge a fantastic victory. 4-2 against Scarborough. Another cracking home win for Rush All Olympic. And uh, I think we had uh, a hat-trick in that one, Dickie, didn't we? We absolutely did, yeah. A treble in that one for Sam Mantum. He is the captain of Rushall Olympic as well. So another player leading by example there, setting the tone for his team. Um, they were 2-0 up 
by half-time. Manton with his first goal on 12 minutes. Then a goal from Tom Tonks in the 24th minute. He's just recently joined the club. Um, he's had spells at various clubs in the Midlands. He's also renowned for having a, a prodigious long throw on him. I saw him at Stafford Rangers last season making good use of a number of towels positioned around the uh, the touchline. So expect to see that as a feature of Rush All Olympic if you go there this season. Um, Manton scored a third goal in the 54th minute, so it's game over by that point. Frank Mulhern's penalty on the 58th minute got Scarborough marginally back into the contest, but then Manton claimed the match ball in the 68th minute. Uh, there was a goal late on as a consolation from Harry Green uh, for Scarborough. Um, but yeah, it sounds like that was a, a hugely positive day for, for Russell Olympic. I think that perhaps the worry with them might have been they've not been prodigious in terms of scoring goals so far this season. I don't think they were prodigious in terms of the number of goals that they scored in, in getting promotion last season, but four um, against a, a good competitive Scarborough side is is an, uh, is a great achievement for them and I'm sure will give them huge confidence. Yeah, they've scored just 11 goals in 10 games this season, but they have, in fairness, only conceded 15, which is by, uh, that's no mean feat, coming up a level this season. And they sit uh, poetically three points clear of the relegation zone whilst uh, Scarborough themselves, another one of those teams, three points off the playoffs. That's pretty much it for this week. What fascinating insight it was from uh, from Femi and from from Jamal Dickey. And, and listeners, uh, I hope you didn't mind us uh, really, you know, really making the most of them being on Dickey. It was great to have a couple of what I call true professionals on the pod. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I mean, obviously, that understanding, you know, their motivation for doing what they do um, and, you know, wanting to put across that perspective and understanding, you know, get again, we got the sense from them, not just the sense, but they were very explicit about it, that they they really love the National League. And it's certainly in Jamal's case, particularly, it came over that, yeah, he's been involved in the semi-professional, professional game for a long time, but he still absolutely loves being involved in it, that being a footballer is, you know, it's the reason he gets out of bed in the morning. And if he can get some of that enjoyment over to people by doing this, then, yeah, terrific. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. Thanks to Femi and Jamal and also to Angelo Balanta for his contribution. Uh, thanks, as always, to yourself, Dickie. Final word is usually a little look ahead to midweek. And uh, uh, on this occasion, no games in the National League North or South, uh, certainly on Tuesday anyway, that I can see. And, and that means that the National League will go ahead for a 12th game while, while the North and South are still sat on 10. Looking at the National League, um, I'll be catching up at first hand and close quarters with the quite incredible Southend United story that continues to to rumble on. Any other fixtures catch uh, your eye in midweek? Hartlepool versus Solihull um, looks like a decent one. Both teams in the top five and Solihull with the only unbeaten record in the division yet. Uh, they, they haven't lost in their first 11 games, but I would think they'll have that put to the test uh, at John Askis Hartlepool on Tuesday evening. Um, mm. Rochdale Chesterfield's probably uh, a decent one as well, you know, both, you know, for the fact that Chesterfield are top of the league, but, you know, Rochdale got that boost of that 2-1 that smash and grab at Dorking. They've started life in the National League better than I expected, to be perfectly honest, at Rochdale. They seem like they've... Um, 
made that adjustment better than some of the clubs that come down. Um, and so, yeah, that's, again, being a clash of former football league teams, that's always an interesting one. Yeah, two other games that catch my eye, Ebbsfleet United against Dorking Wanderers, in particular because both sides are pretty decimated with injury now, so it'll be patched up. Uh, Wanderers and, and Fleet sides that go there on Tuesday night. And also York City at home to Barnet. Another really sterling test early on for Neil Ardley's men as they come up against uh, Dean Brennan's guys that are a little bit like Gateshead and Chesterfield um, and most definitely the real deal this season. Uh, thanks to all our guests. Thanks very much indeed to our producer Luke Edwards as well. And we'll finish with those same final words we always do play the uh, theme tune Luke